Hello and welcome to Women Who Protect, a monthly series as part of the Ontic Protective Intelligence podcast. In a profession largely dominated by men, we spotlight women working in a wide range of positions within security, protection, and law enforcement. We will hear their stories, discuss their accomplishments, and also seek their advice for women and girls who might be interested in a career in protection or security. I'm Dr. Marisa Randazzo with Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. After nearly three decades of experience working in security and protection, as the chief research psychologist at the U.S. Secret Service, and then in the private sector, providing security guidance to corporations, educational institutions, and high-profile individuals, I know firsthand the immense value that women bring to this field. And I know the challenges that we face. I look forward to sharing with you the stories of women who protect and hope they inspire other women and girls to consider joining our ranks. Now, on to the podcast. Christine Oliver brings 22 years of experience leading investigations for the FBI. She currently leads emergency response and security for a Fortune 500 company. Before transitioning to the private sector, Christine managed the entire counterintelligence program for the state of Delaware, including serving as lead investigator on all aspects of national security and trade secret and intellectual property theft investigations. Christine, welcome to Women Who Protect. Thank you, Marisa. Let me start out just um, kind of with with a question about your background. How did you get into the field of security? And and I guess it was law enforcement has been predominant in your career. How did you even even get into that in the first place? So that is kind of a long story. I I was an accounting major in college. I got my um, CPA and worked in public accounting. Um, It it kind of was that soul searching after being um, in the accounting field for you know, a few years of what can I do to bring that my financial background um, to to have more purpose? Um, You know, how can I, you know, kind of make my community, my world, you know, um, a better place and kind of be part of the solution. So at that time, and this would have been in the um, mid to late 90s, there was a big hiring push um, with the FBI especially for um, accountants. So I did apply. And in, in 1997, I became an FBI special agent. Um, and I had a career with the FBI um, as an agent for over 22 years. Um, when it did come time to retire, it was kind of a natural transition into corporate security, um, where I do um, investigations, um, like threat analysis, um, insider, um, insider threat, insider risk, um, program management. Um, so it kind of was a natural progression. And that's a great career path. I, I enjoyed hearing that, especially because you are our first guest who's come at it from a CPA or accounting background. Um, I love that, that fact. Let me ask you a bit, what does a day in the life of, of managing incidents and investigations look like in your field? 
So just like in law enforcement, there are really no two days that are typically <laughs> the same. Yep. Um, and especially, you know, Mike, you know, I work for a um, multinational company. Um, so there are issues that arise throughout the globe. Um, so you could be dealing with a geopolitical or a weather crisis um, in some countries, and then at the same time be dealing with theft of products, cargo hijackings in another. So um, a big focus, though, is always going to be on our information security and ensuring our company IP is protected. And that's always like um, basically front and foremost um, within corporate security. So it's kind of just, you know, knowing how to um, get the information that people need, um, balance the cases, um, have good open source intelligence and good communication. Um, Any example or or case story you can share with us? You know, we could like have examples of, you know, issues that would have come up, especially with the, um, the war in the Ukraine. You know, we had sites in the Ukraine, so it's a matter of making sure that you give the support to our European regional security people um, with our executives, with the country leadership to see what they need um, to actually get the right vendors and support in place. So that could just be one, you know, incident. And then at another time, you know, it could be the, um, the flooding um, and the crisis that was going on in Pakistan. So it, it's, it's a wide variety. No two, like I said, no two days are the same. I was just going to say it, 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 it's a perfect illustration of a, the wide ranging issues that you may be facing yes. as you're also talking about p- keeping information security front and center at the same time. Yes. Um, so do you have a process for managing incidents and investigations or what what does your process currently look like in, in your field for managing incidents and investigations and cases? So coming from the FBI, I was always taught, and I firmly believe that if you don't document it, it didn't happen. Right. (laughs) So part of my role is, you know, here um, within corporate security was to develop a case management process and really to have everything in one place. So that be your notes, your evidence, your timeline, you know, any open source research, you know, any communications. And again, to me, like this was a system that allows for like case integrity, or organization to improve efficiency with respect to um, manager communications, manager review, and really enhanced reporting for not only our managers and our directors, but to get it out there as necessary to executives. Um, So for basically, especially for investigations that could possibly go through some sort of legal channel, whether that be a, a civil case, a criminal prosecution, I really feel like the systems that we put in place improves securities collaboration with both legal, whether it be internal or outside, by having everything documented in one place. It, and it's so necessary because you, you're not just, I mean, it, you're, you have to get all the information into one place. You're absolutely right that you, it's so critical to document everything. And especially that, you, as you were talking about it and describing it, it's not just a bad amount or of managing the incidents or sort of having one sort of case management place or depository or tool, it also then impacts your ability to engage in effective communication with your leadership and with your stakeholders around who needs to know what. 
and Correct. and what other details can you get when they when they inevitably, in my experience, have follow up <laughs> questions? Um, you know, sort of what other details? What tracking can you do? What updates can you provide? So it's 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 for the operators to use, and then also for kind of that that vital risk communication component as well. Yes. What's the biggest change you've seen in in this process in the last couple of years? Um, I think the biggest change are the number of systems and um, whether it could be like access control systems to HR systems, um, everything is digital, everything's in the cloud um, and trying to get that organized and contained um, in one place. Has that been a challenge trying to coordinate all that? I mean, that systems can be wonderful because they can be great tools, but but you're right that we've seen a real increase in the number of systems, um, whether it's you know surveillance or or information gathering or recording systems, uh, researching tools, uh, the like. Has has that been a, a challenge trying to get those all coordinated and, and integrated? Um, it has been a challenge. Um, we've gotten that process in place and are improving it like all the time. Um, it's been helpful. We do have everything, or at least we, we try to have everything in one place and are coordinating and really getting um, better integration. I think now the biggest challenge is getting everyone within security on board to use that system, to have that one place. Um, you know, people get comfortable, it, you know, the same thing I get comfortable with, you know, um, the way I've always done things. Yeah. So, if someone was just used to sending an email or forwarding information to their manager saying, Hey, this is going on, um, learning a new system, you know, maybe doing something different kind of takes a little bit of persuasion. So, but I think with management buy-in specific examples of success, um, is like kind of helps to get everyone bored, but it does take time, you know, to change minds. Yes. (laughs) Well, I was just going to say, so so is the challenge of not only introducing new technology or tools and getting people up to speed and actually how to use them, but also just kind of the bigger issue of change management. When you are used to doing things a certain way, you, you've you got to sort of change a habit in a way. So um, I, I, I just experienced this with, it, with transitioning a team to new technology. And it was really kind of two two pieces. The, the one, I don't know how. And the other piece was, I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like... Right? Trying to fight two fronts uh, there, but but it'd be absolutely critical. I'm curious to to hear your perspective on departmental silos. I mean, we hear this w- throughout different industries and in, in, in private security, corporate security, and in, in law enforcement, and in, in dissecting bad stuff that's happened. We we often find information trapped in silos and and agencies or departments that aren't communicating well with each other. Um, you know, cyber, not talking to physical, I may mean, not talk to your, your Intel analysts, all of that. What's been your experience with that and, and, and your, your attempts and, and efforts to centralize your information into one system has, has that helped? So what have the challenges been? And, and then where have you seen that some, some help? No, and I agree with you, especially in law enforcement, those silos were there, um, it takes that mentality of believing that you're on a team and, you know, really to successfully work an investigation or a big investigation, it does, it, it, it takes an entire team and you have to realize every person on that team has a role and that role is important to, to move things forward, whether it be the investigator, the prosecutor, um, the person processing evidence, you know, the person in the lab. Um, and it's the same here in corporate security, 
I don't think there's much you can do today in security without cyber or cybersecurity collaboration. And that team concept is key. Um, I know what we do here, um, and it's really helped, is we have regular check-in meetings to discuss investigations in general, investigative trends, or really just to ask questions like, um, you know, this is what we're seeing, you know, how, how can we do this better? You know, what do you think about this? And from both sides. Um, and a lot of times, you know, cyber may want to know, hey, are you seeing this a lot in physical security? Um, are you seeing this trend in cases? Um, what can we do to be more proactive versus reactive? Um, so we're, we really have been working hard and we, I feel like we have um, had a really good long-term partnership um, in fact, I'm actually changing roles and moving in over to cybersecurity to be that bridge. Oh, wow. Um, and kind of almost be a program coordinator with both corporate security, with our ethics compliance, with HR t- to really try and um, tie it all together. So, you know, I feel like my company, like re- they really see the value um, in, in those partnerships. I'm fascinated by this because it's sort of two things I want to I want to just ask a follow up on one. So it sounds like you already have regular meetings between physical security and cybersecurity, even if you don't have an active case. Is that so? So it's just like standing meeting. So you you're getting together with with these two and or these two entities are getting together on a regular basis to, to sort of further foster a connection. Is that is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Oh, I love that. That's great. Um, and now you're also going, now you're going over to cybersecurity as a cybersecurity, as a physical security liaison, like it sounds like you're embedded there, but, but this also sounds like such a great bridge. So I'd, I'd love to hear more about the, the strategy or thinking behind that. Yeah. So it really is going to be kind of that in, embedded person. Why I'll kind of be moving out of um, doing investigations. Um, I will be that person almost like triage, um, the what's coming in maybe from corporate security to um to work with cybersecurity you know what kind of rules need to be put in place that the um network engineers can work on that would enhance security features um to automate the process more um in terms of so everything would be a standard operating procedure when you're requesting um, cybersecurity be involved in investigations. So that's going to look the same for corporate security. It will look the same for ethics and compliance. Um, maybe if HR needs assistance and to kind of bring everybody together. So you would have that investigative integrity. Um, we'll have like the internal controls that would be in place and kind of if someone's asking for something, I'll know what they really need, just having that investigative experience and can communicate that better with cyber. Oh my gosh, that 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 sounds like such a like a really smart decision to 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 place you or embed you there to really help foster that collaboration. It, it's interesting because in the in the cyber insider threat investigations I've worked in the course of my career, even just dissecting them and, and trying to sort of look at, at trends, one of the biggest challenges I've faced is almost like a language barrier between physical security and cybersecurity that that each each department within an organization often has their own acronyms and and um, technical vocabulary that actually can make collaboration even more difficult to across those two departments. 
Um, and we often look for someone that that in the, in the physical threat assessment or sort of behavioral threat assessment world, we refer to as a as a boundary spanner. Hank Stebman came up with this term decades ago, but boundary spanner is sort of someone who speaks mental health and law enforcement, who can sort of speak two languages to bridge <laughs> organizations that don't often communicate well together. Um, and I feel like you are serving or about to serve in that critical role of boundary spanner between physical security and cybersecurity, which I feel like is just, that's such a critical, critical need that's being met now. Yeah, that's a great point. I've never heard that term. Um, I don't know how fluent I am in the cyber language. Um, I'll probably still, uh, I, I definitely someone to ask a lot of questions, um, even in the, the you know, meetings that we attend um, and even look a lot of things up. But uh I really like that. And yeah, that's really the goal is to, you know, the company is really trying to think of ways to continue to, to streamline and automate the process and kind of further enhance those case management capabilities. Just how can we, we do that already um, with insider threat, but how can we expand it um, and basically with other investigations? So I like that. I like that boundary standard. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just add that to your title. We'll get back to the conversation in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you a little about Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. In a world of safety, security, and protection, we know that gathering and sharing information is crucial. That's why we created the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. The center is a trusted resource for those in the security, safety, and protection communities. We share strategies and best practices insights on current and historical trends, and lessons learned through dialogue, discourse and alternative analysis for some of the industry's top practitioners. To find blogs, podcasts, webinars, white papers, and more, check out the center by visiting ontic.co slash center. That's ontic.co slash center. I'm curious, I want to um, just do a, a quick question, if it's something you can speak to uh, uh, in, from your, your time at the FBI. I, I had read in your bio that you were co-case agent for uh, the DOJ's first conviction on a case of cyber stalking leading to death. Um, and I think I may know that case. Was this in, in Delaware? And, and can, you, can you talk about it at all? Because I'm fascinated. Yes. So that involved, it was in February of 2013, um, a woman and her friend were gunned down in the Newcastle County Courthouse. Um, Yeah. And uh, as it turned out, um, she was, um, they were both shot and killed by her ex-father-in-law, Tom Matuzowicz, um, who later, you know, was, was also shot and killed then. Um, in a shootout with the the Capitol Police at the courthouse, um, it turns out, and that's how the the, um, the bureau got involved in the case. And um, myself and the 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 case agent, um, we work closely with Delaware State Police. Um, the poor um, this poor woman um, over the course of her time, it was married to a David Matuzowicz, and after their divorce. Um, him and his family um, basically did an entire campaign online um, to uh, stalk this woman. Um, they falsely accused her of sexually abusing their children. Um, they had people uh, follow her on Facebook, pretend to be friends with her. Um, they would 
they had they essentially recruited people to surveil her. They recruited people. Um, they had one person that was a real estate agent that was in her house taking pictures, um, and they had a layout. And what happened? Um, David Matuzwitz, who had um, had served time for parental kidnapping um, as well as bank fraud, was in Texas and then drove from Texas um, with his parents up to Delaware for the purpose of this court hearing that had to do with. Um, child support. And that is how he came to be him and his father in the courthouse um, when she was shot and killed. But the case involved, um, again, extensive um, like research within um, with would be like the computer evidence um, going back. Um, there were multiple, multiple search warrants for like Facebook activity, um, for all online activity through YouTube accounts. Um, so it was just this massive campaign to to essentially torment um, and stalk this woman that ultimately um, resulted in her being shot and killed as she appeared for court. Oh, my God. What a tragic case. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and absolute, absolute tragedy. But um, and, and also fascinating from an investigative standpoint, because this was 10 years ago. So it was 2013. Yes. So 10 years ago to think about the investigative tools we didn't have back then for for sort of the, the cyber deep dive into, into some cases like this, but all the work you were able to do from a prosecutorial standpoint is is impressive. And and when I saw this on your resume, I just have to add a personal note of thanks to you because I worked with the um, the uh Delaware uh, FBI field office on a cyber stalking case a couple of years after this one. And the case I was working on benefited extensively from all of the skills and expertise that you and your colleagues had already developed um, within your field office around cyber stalking. So I just want to say a personal note of thanks because it it helped us move our case much faster and and, uh, much more effectively through the courts than we would have otherwise. So thank you. That's great. Yes. Um, let me ask, uh, uh, one of the f- um, focal points that we have for for this series, Women Who Protect, within the Ontic Protective Intelligence podcast, is really seeking out advice for women or girls who might be considering a career in law enforcement, in, in security and protection. I'd love to get your thoughts on, on any advice you would have. So, as you can imagine, I'm a, definitely a big proponent um, for women and women in law enforcement and just... Um, all around that the the voice and the expertise and the input that um, women can have in this field. Um, you know, when I started, I think there were only only five percent of um, special agents were female. Um, so I, I I did have a great benefit of all the other um, female agents that I did work with. You know, it was really a great support system, um, and I feel that. That, that's still the case today. Um, so people should not think um, that you have to be any one type of person or have any one type of background. Um, I think law enforcement and security in general truly benefits um, from a diverse uh, group of people, a diverse group of experiences um, that you bring to the table, that you bring um, to the career and that can only make law enforcement and security better. So it shouldn't be something that you feel 
just because I don't have a certain set of experience or just because I'm, I don't look a certain way or build a certain way that that wouldn't be the career for you. In fact, if you have an interest in it and you have an interest in helping people and you know giving a voice to people that wouldn't necessarily have one, I definitely say go for it. Oh, that's awesome. Any um, associations, professional groups, anything like that that you found helpful along the way that you would recommend? Um, there's definitely, um, there's, you know, women in federal law enforcement um, is definitely a good group. You know, I do belong to um, the OSAC, um, the women in uh, security group. Um, I know that, that this is recent and I think they're getting it started is that um, the Society of Former Special Agents is they basically put out a canvas for retired um, female agents to help with the mentoring process. Oh, um, that's great. Yeah, which I think is wonderful, you know, just to kind of reach out. I always, every year, and I, you know, I really, um, I consider it an honor. I always speak at Delaware Girl State about a career in law enforcement um, and security. Um, it's something I look forward to all the time. What is Del- what is Delaware's Girl State? Because I've heard of, I've heard of similar, but so every every state has a girl state. And it's put on by the the state American Legion. Um, it, it's it's essentially girls that are selected for leadership qualities that have interest in um, government and leadership. They gather normally at their state capital. They come from all over. There's usually one or two representatives from every high school. Um, and they learn all about different aspects of government, whether it be legislative, um, the deep, you know, there's always somebody from um, the military. They usually try and get someone from law enforcement. They learn about the election process. Um, and so it's just a really good opportunity that you kind of have like this best and brightest for your state um, that have that interest um, in leadership to really talk to them that this isn't, this could be an option for them. Oh, fantastic. And you, and you speak there every year. Yes. Yeah. It's been a great honor to do that. Last question. As you look back on your career, especially your time with, with the FBI, any, any training or um, skills that you wish you had brought to the table, wish you had gone into a particular major? I mean, what I typically hear is it kind of doesn't matter. You can get into law enforcement from a whole lot of different ways or get into security from a whole bunch of different fields. But as you look back, do you, do you look back and say, gosh, I wish I had studied X or if only I had done why it would have made me a, a even better in my in my role as a federal agent or uh, or, or anything like that. So I think accounting was a was a really good area to be in. <laughs> um, most you know I did a lot of um, public corruption and government fraud investigations um, during my career, so that was really helpful because they do all involve money <laughs> um, a lot. So it was helpful you know, talking to people about, um, whether they be like a bookkeeper or someone with the accounting department or how did you account for that? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I always say about the bureau, um, is that everyone has to like the same flavor of ice cream. So you pretty much, there was such a great, um, diversity of experience. So someone could, they, same thing. Someone was an attorney. We had someone that had been a veterinarian, um, someone that was a social worker and everybody brought such a great, um, just a great perspective and a great way to look at things, a great way to approach things, whether you're talking to someone, because again, that's when you're out there um, in the public, you're talking to different people. So um, not everyone's going to be an accountant or not everyone's going to be an attorney. So, I mean, I think that was really, 
I, I think it's really helpful. I think it's what um, really makes the Bureau um, such a special place is that they are looking for just a well-rounded group and people that do have um, a wide variety of backgrounds. Oh, that's great. Uh, anything else that um, you wanted to share that we didn't have a chance to cover? I don't, I, I don't think so. I think the, um, the we talked about really the benefit um, that, you know, we have of having one system in place um, is key. And I think it's going to be crucial for security, um, especially in corporate security that, you know, you, you want to make sure that you have a, a system that can help with your investigative integrity to improve your um, reporting functions, um, just to be organized, to be efficient and be able to connect the dots and look for trends. I think you really need to have, um, a system that ties everything together and you're not, um, using one system for, uh, incidents or you're only using email or you're, you're putting cases in different places. I think having one system is going to be, um, is really crucial, especially to, um, you know, for a security to have success um, and to be able to report success. Well, and 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 I think it's such an important point you make, and and I feel like now more than ever it's critical because we are seeing organizations face an increase in volume of threats that that I have do not recall in my twenty eight years in this field at this sort of <laughs> dramatic volume, not only of sort of threatening behavior but also of fear based concerns coming coming from you know employees and and from outside an organization. And at the same time, I, I know that security departments, many of them are, are challenged with, um, you know, people have left positions, senior leaders have stepped down, there's, there's turnover, there are vacancies, you've got less institutional knowledge, maybe fewer personnel and, and an increased volume of, of situations you need to, to manage. So I, 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 <laughs> I could not agree with you more. Definitely. Christine, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me on Women Who Protect. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is a joy. Today, we talked a lot about managing incidents and investigations. Ontic has a cutting-edge corporate investigation solution where teams have a central place for collaboration and connected research to proactively identify warning signs. To learn more, please visit ontic.co slash demo. That's ontic.co slash D-E-M-O. This episode was brought to you by the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. Learn more at ontic.co slash center. Again, that's ontic.co slash center. It was produced by AJ McKeon. Our music is a track called Roll the Dice and was written by Mark Wallach. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcasts at ontic.co or visit ontic.co slash center for more information. Thanks for listening.